Hey, this is Dan Wunderlich, and welcome to Art of the Sermon, a show for preachers, teachers, and communicators. Today, we're talking about breaking the first rule of preaching. Recently, I was listening to a sermon series by Andy Stanley, and something stood out. Let me play you a clip from the beginning of one of the sermons in the series, and I'll see if you pick up on it. Hey, so um, what do happy couples know? So far, we've discovered three things that happy couples know. One thing happy couples know is that we bring our hopes, dreams, and desires into the relationship. We can't help that. That's natural. But if we're not careful, those hopes, dreams, and desires begin to feel like expectations. So one of the things that happy couples know is they make a decision. Happy couples decide they owe each other everything but are owed nothing in return. Now, this doesn't make sense, but this is what they do, okay? And as we're going to discover in just a few minutes in today's lesson, today's session, um, there's something else they do that doesn't make sense, and that's the unusual thing about happy couples. As you get close to them, they're so happy, and it doesn't completely make sense, and part of it is because they understand or they've just decided, you know what, I owe you everything, you don't owe me anything in return. The other thing that happy couples know is that happy couples understand that relationships are a race to the back of the line. Did you pick up on what it was? The thing that stood out to me was that he started with a recap of the series, and I thought to myself, surely this cannot be right. One of the most effective communicators in the modern church is disregarding one of the most commonly held pieces of conventional wisdom. I mean, think back to your preaching class or dig out one of your textbooks, or maybe you've been to a preaching workshop recently. What are we supposed to do right at the beginning? What's the first rule of sermon delivery? We're supposed to capture the congregation's attention, right? We're supposed to tell a story or tell a joke or share a surprising fact or ask a really intriguing question. Anything but a recap, no small talk. That's how people tune out, and once you lose them, you'll never get them back. Chronologically speaking, here, I got to say, Andy, you broke the first rule of preaching. So I checked out another series, more recaps. I found a standalone message, small talk, including, oh my gosh, horror of all horrors. Andy Stanley was delivering church announcements at the beginning of his sermon. If Andy keeps this up, people are going to stop listening to him, right? Yeah, no, that's not going to happen. So having had my interest peaked, I decided to seek out some sermons from some other well-known preachers. I started with Adam Hamilton, the pastor of the largest church in my denomination, the United Methodist Church. Every message Adam delivers begins with an invitation to take out a bulletin insert for note-taking and daily scripture readings. Here's a clip of how he starts virtually every sermon. I'd like to invite you to take out of your bulletin, your GPS, your Grow, Pray, and Study Guide. And I want to encourage you to take notes and write down the things you'd like to remember and reflect upon in the coming week. On the back side, you'll find our daily scripture readings. They all tie back into today's message. And I'd like to invite you to take the time to read the Bible on your own this week. I know you'll be blessed as you do. And so that's the intro that begins virtually every sermon Adam Hamilton delivers at the United Methodist Church of the Resurrection. And then oftentimes that will transition into a series recap or some other kind of small talk. So I checked out some more well-known preachers, and I'm not going to bog down the intro of this podcast with more sound clips, and certainly my search wasn't exhaustive or representative of the full breadth of preaching in the Christian church, but it is remarkable to me how often people we think of as effective communicators kind of ease into sermons. And while it's obviously not a bad thing to start with something aimed at capturing attention, there's a reason that this is prescribed in almost all of our preaching classes. Here are a few factors to consider if you're thinking about breaking the first rule of preaching. Number one, compelling preachers and communicators are interesting even when their content is not. Have you ever heard someone say, I could sit and listen to them read the phone book? 
The very existence of a phrase like this acknowledges the fact that there are some people who are just naturally easier to listen to, some people who naturally capture and hold our attention almost no matter what they're saying. I think of the podcast Hardcore History hosted by Dan Carlin. Now, he's telling really interesting stories from history, but his episodes are three to three and a half hours long, sometimes even longer. And no matter how interesting your stories are, you have to be easy to listen to to have episodes that long. And in the church and preaching world, Andy Stanley is certainly one of these communicators. He has a combination of natural charisma, confidence in his own voice, and a finely tuned delivery style. So he has this combo of sort of natural gifts and a lot of really hard work work and experience. Well, content and delivery work together to build engagement. So if we improve our delivery, if we improve our delivery skills, we may be able to carry through a sermon recap or small talk. We may be able to ease into the sermon in a way that still holds people's attention because we have such an effective delivery. So number one, compelling preachers are interesting even when their content is not. Number two, recaps and small talk don't have to be ad-libbed. I think one of the main motivators behind the start with something interesting rule is to just get us as preachers to start with something intentional, to have a plan, to do it on purpose. It's when we're meandering around and not making any sense that people really start to tune us out. And and your congregation can tell. And and I know that you know this because you can tell as well. Whether you're good at speaking off the top of your head or not, I know we've all had those Sundays where we're 10 minutes into the current preaching time and we're suddenly realizing we've said the same thing three times and we're still stuck on last Sunday's content. Well, when you look at Andy Stanley's series recaps, they're often many sermons in and of themselves. He spends time crafting his introduction, saying no more and no less than is necessary. And in the case of Adam Hamilton and his bulletin insert invitation, he uses virtually the exact same language every week. It's short, it's to the point, and it's effective. They're doing this on purpose. So number two, recaps and small talk don't have to be ad-libbed. Number three, the beginning of a sermon can be used to communicate priorities. The fact that Adam Hamilton makes that same invitation every week communicates to his congregation that he's actually serious about wanting them to take notes and follow along with the daily scripture readings. He knows that both of these activities will help his congregation grow as disciples, and that is his goal. That is his mission, to make disciples. And so he takes this time intentionally every week to set this up as a priority. And when we look at recaps, a well-crafted recap communicates that what you're preaching that day is connected to a larger movement or a larger set of ideas. When Andy Stanley crafts his intros, he's not just telling you for the fun of it. He's telling you what came before because it's important to set up what's coming today. Your goal should be to get everyone on the same page for that day's sermon and make them care about the other parts in the series. So number three, the beginning of a sermon can be used to communicate priorities. Number four, we need to consider the context of the entire service. I know many of us are big fans of TED Talks. I love them. And maybe you've got one or two TED Talks that you can watch over and over again. Or perhaps you can bring to mind a TED Talk that has a really strong and compelling beginning and you just think, if I could begin my sermon in the same way this talk begins, I'll really be off to a good start. Well, it might not surprise you to discover that starting with something interesting is the officially recommended strategy for TED speakers. But we need to remember that TED Talks are not sermons and sermons are not TED Talks. 
they're delivered in entirely different contexts. Now, it's not bad to learn from great TED speakers, and it is not a bad thing to start with something interesting and compelling. There's a reason that's TED's number one rule, and there's a reason that that's the conventional wisdom for sermons. But we need to remember that our sermons are not isolated events. The vast majority of our sermons are going to sit within the larger context of a service of worship. The flow of energy, of volume, and the level of congregational engagement is important for us to monitor and respond to. And as you're planning your sermon throughout the week, pay attention to what's happening in your community and in your congregation, in the nation, or in the world, because these things are going to have an effect on how worship is experienced on the weekend. The beginning that you planned in your office or your home study or at the coffee shop that week might have seemed like a really great idea in those isolated environments, but you may be getting closer to the sermon in the time of worship and just realize it's going to be really jarring or it's going to be disconnected from what's going on, and maybe this week you need to ease into your sermon and break that first rule of preaching. We also should pay attention to things like the worship style or the architectural style of the room or even your own personal style. I mean, think about it. If you start with, so how y'all doing today? That might not be the best opening if you're preaching a traditional academic sermon from the pulpit of a cathedral, but in a more casual service, easing into the sermon might help it feel more like a conversation and less like a lecture. So number four, we need to consider the context of the entire service. Fifth and finally, we need to consider the context of our relationship with the congregation. Are you seen as the guru, the visionary leader, the shepherd, the professor, the one who walks alongside the congregation, or some combination of these? Have you given any thought to the way that you're seen and the way that your preaching is received in the congregation? Or are you preaching to a room full of people with whom you have a personal relationship? Maybe you pastor a small church and you know every face in the room, or perhaps you pastor a larger church and the time behind the pulpit or the time on stage is the only time these people see you. Or maybe you're a guest preacher somewhere. All these things factor in. Do you have a role in the service other than the sermon? Or is when you get up to preach the first time people are going to see your face and hear your voice? That might affect how you begin your sermon. Or does the quote-unquote audience for your sermon include a significant number of people who aren't in the room and or aren't listening live? Are people streaming you somewhere? Are they watching a video replay? Are they listening to a podcast? The answer to these relational questions can and should shape how you begin your sermons, and reciprocally, how you begin your sermons can and will shape the relationship you have with your congregation. And again, as with all of these, whether or not you're abiding by or breaking the start with something interesting rule, it's all about making an intentional choice. That again is number five, consider the context of your relationship with the congregation. And so just to recap, when we are planning the beginning of our sermons and we're trying to decide whether we're going to start with something really strong and compelling or we're going to go ahead and break that first rule of preaching and and maybe do a recap or kind of ease into it, these are five things I think we should consider. Number one, compelling preachers are interesting even when the content is not. Number two, recaps and small talk don't have to be ad-libbed. Number three, the beginning of a sermon can be used to communicate priorities. Number four, we need to consider the context of the entire service. And number five, we should consider the context of our relationship with the congregation. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Art of the Sermon. You can find show notes, including links to some of the things that we talked about at artofthesermon.com. As always, I would love to hear what you think about the show, and I want your input to be a part of the conversation. So you can connect with me through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, all at username Art of the Sermon. 
If you'd like to support the show, I would encourage you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Google Play Music, or your favorite podcast app so that new episodes are downloaded as soon as they're live. And of course, in addition to sharing the show with your friends, the best way to help us out is to leave a review in the iTunes store. This lets iTunes know that you care about the show and want other people to find it. Thank you again so much for joining me, and I'll catch you next time on Art of the Sermon.